0: Alright, well today's show is brought to you in part by Coinbase, America's largest cryptocurrency trading platform. Folks, if you've been watching the news, if you've been reading the newspaper, if you're following me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, you've probably seen me talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and how it's changing the future. Wealth is being created at an astronomical rate. I've worked out a special arrangement with Coinbase where you can earn $10 in free Bitcoin just by texting COINS, that's C-O-I-N-S, to five. 5-5-8-8-8. Again, it's COINS to 555-888 and earn $10 worth of free Bitcoin. Folks, wealth is being created, again, at an astronomical rate. People are getting rich almost overnight by getting involved with cryptocurrency. Don't be left out. Earn your $10 in free Bitcoin by texting COINS, that's C-O-I-N-S, to 555-888. And hey, by the way, when you do it, we'll also get $10 in free Bitcoin. Again, text COINS, that's C-O-I-N-S, to 555-888. All right. Well, my name is Michael Alden, and I always tell people that I'm here in Blue vase Studios, but I'm kind of... Remotely in Blue, May, in Blue Bay Studios, I, I had to I had to make a quick move, and I had to act, actually had to technically bring my daughter to school early this morning. Uh, but I, I was I'm so excited to have my next guest. His name is Sam Wooters. He's all he comes to us all the way from Belgium. If you've been following me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, you've probably heard me talking about cryptocurrency and about Bitcoin and, and all these other things out there. I talk a little bit about blockchain, but I but I literally been kind of scouring the world. Trying to find experts within this world to, again, selfishly first to kind of educate myself about what's going on within this world of cryptocurrency, the underlying technologies, and again, my next guest is a, is a speaker. Uh, he's a, he's a consultant and he's an expert within the world uh, of blockchain and Bitcoin. We're going to talk to him about you know what's going on in this world, what we need to uh, you know what we need to look out for, and, and some of the things that I think uh, that that the, the future is about to bring. So, Sam, thanks so much for being my guest.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So let's just get right into it, man. You know, you know, I, I, I started, you know, learning about this a few years ago. I didn't really get into it, so to speak, until maybe about six months ago. But let's just start with, with, with like, kind of like the most basic. What is Bitcoin? When did it start and, and
1: why did it start? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So uh, Bitcoin was invented in 2008, actually, and launched in 2009 by an unknown founder called Satoshi Nakamoto. And we actually still don't know today who Satoshi Nakamoto is. A lot of journalists have claimed to uh, track this person down. But the truth is, we still don't know today. And at the same time, that doesn't actually matter because Bitcoin is open source technology. And that means that anyone in the world is able to review the code on which it works. And many people have done this. And they've all unanimously agreed that it's a very sound project, very sound technology, And that there are no hidden backdoors for the creator to try to uh, influence the system. So it was invented by Satoshi in 2009. It got launched as a way to sort of disintermediate the financial players that exist today. To basically make the trusted third parties that we so often rely on today uh, completely obsolete. And it's provided as an like a lot of people like to refer to it as a replacement of the banking system uh, personally I see it as more of an alternative for people that want to use something like this that are tired of the way they're being treated by financial services that are tired of the fees the waiting times etc uh, and that are looking at another way to transfer or store their value so in short it's really a way to store and transfer digital ownership without a middleman um, if you want to sort of more high-level explanation of what it is. I like to refer to it as a system which sort of steers human nature to do what it does best, which is protecting our own interests. So ultimately the users of Bitcoin just want to protect the value of our money to ensure that we can store it well, to ensure that we can transfer it well. Uh, and that's really what this system is built around. And then <laughs> you mentioned the blockchain there. That's the database underneath which records who owns what.
0: Now I'm gonna I want I want I'm gonna get into blockchain a little bit more uh, and and have you kind of walk us through it. I was on your website uh, and you give a really great explanation uh, on what what the blockchain is. But you brought up a good point early on, and I and I've you know I've literally been screaming about this you know from the rooftops from from the monetary side of it for for what what a great opportunity this is for people to to actually. Uh, capitalize, you know, on, on on the on the money side of it, as far as how to make money. So I've been kind of screaming about that for a little bit. But one 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 question that got brought up to me was some of my actually close personal friends, and I, I think you already addressed it, but I want to come back to it real quick. It, it, what you said was, is it was, cr- you know, Bitcoin was created by this character group or whatever, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. And, and and one of my you know friends reached out to me privately and said, Mike, aren't you worried? about what you're saying and you're out there promoting or talking about this Bitcoin and this cryptocurrency? aren't you worried that it was created by by again this mysterious character? And don't you think it's possible that this this organization character group could potentially uh, you know kind of destroy this whole destroy the whole thing and just create chaos?
1: I think it's a valid concern, especially because people by nature sort of try to figure out who's in charge of a certain thing. Uh, But you can think of it in similar terms to the internet itself. It was invented by Tim Berners-Lee But it's not like Tim Berners-Lee today has the power to shut down the internet or create chaos He like sits in this body which governs or helps to govern the rules by which the internet works and in a similar way Satoshi did that initially he sort of steered the project because he was one of the only developers at that time but as it started to grow Uh, a lot more group decisions were made and eventually in 2010, Satoshi stepped away from the project and there is no hidden backdoor inside the system or anything by which Satoshi would be able to overrule it because hundreds or maybe even thousands of experts around the world have all reviewed this code and all unanimously agreed. There is no way for anyone, any kind of creator or any external party to break into this and to disrupt the entire system. The attack vectors that exist today, uh, are known, but those aren't something that a creator could just do like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Again, so you
0: bring up another valid point. A lot of people, uh, you know, still don't understand it. You talk about that on your website. Uh, but again, your website is samwouters.com. And you, again, you give great, great explanations on, on, on all this stuff. But so, you know, you kind of alluded to this, you know, what a lot of people are talking about this hacking thing. You know Bitcoin itself or the blockchain or underlying Bitcoin, I know we'll talk about blockchain as it relates to other uh, uses as well. But are you saying that it can't be hacked or it's not hackable? I mean what what's what's going on with that? Can, can someone can is it possible that the 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 blockchain of Bitcoin could be hacked and again essentially interfered with?
1: So uh, basically, ever since the blockchain has been launched, it's out there in the open, and as I mentioned, people use it to transfer value without a middleman. And what that transfer means is that once you make a transfer of value, you cannot reverse it. So it's actually the biggest hacker for uh, the biggest target for hackers on the internet. Hackers have been trying to hack the Bitcoin blockchain for basically eight or nine years, and they haven't been able to do it so far. Uh, and the reason for that is that much of the way it works is all based on encryption and encryption is what protects much of our communication what protects our traditional banking system Uh, and if encryption is used then that basically means that you will need to brute force the system somehow but the encryption is so heavy that i believe to even break into a single bitcoin wallet you would need and not sure if these numbers are completely legit but you would need as much energy as there is in the sun because of the calculations that you need to do to try to brute force the encryption so in that sense it's secured by math whether the numbers add up or not it's going to be an incredibly long time for even the best supercomputer in the world to break this stuff Uh, far longer than any of us will live and even If the case happens that we're going to get quantum computers and all of that stuff, which is a legit concern by a lot of people, then the encryption that Bitcoin uses can be upgraded, just like all of the other systems that we have can upgrade their encryption as well. And I believe about two years ago or something, PayPal actually upgraded to the level of encryption that Bitcoin has. So Bitcoin had better encryption than PayPal, which a lot more people use globally. So uh, it's a legitimate concern, I'd say, uh, especially for newcomers, like, can my money be hacked if it's all virtual, and if there's no bank which can give it back to me in case that happens. But your money is essentially secured by math, by encryption, and that makes it incredibly powerful.
0: Now, you, you talked about, you know, the early stages of when Bitcoin was created, you know, 2008, 2009, when it was ultimately launched. Um, And, you know, I I, again, I've been studying this as much as I can, day and night. And so, you know, you kind of touched upon it, but tell us a little bit about, you know, centralization versus decentralization and and why it's important.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the goal of Bitcoin is to try to disintermediate those centralized parties. And uh, for that to really work well, we need to ensure that the Bitcoin system itself, uh, all of the servers on which it operates, Because you as an individual could set up a server of the Bitcoin blockchain, like a copy of the software, where you hold a record of all of the transactions that happened in the past. And the more people that do this around the world, the more people that are incentivized to do it, the more decentralized the network will be. So that if anyone wants to attack the network, try to take it over or shut it down in some way, they will need to try to take over all of those different uh, participants in the network because they can't just force their opinion about what is the true uh, version of the bitcoin blockchain so they're always going to follow the rules which are set by a lot of people around the world and uh, in that sense even if you try to attack it by creating some different kind of blockchain which isn't entirely legitimate because maybe you edited a few transactions you are still going to protect the nature of the original network no matter what kind of attack you have that way but the more centralized the network becomes so the less people That are running these copies of the blockchain uh, the less people it takes to sort of overrule to try to convince to try to hack uh to in order to convince them of some new version of the real blockchain so the more decentralized the network is uh, the more people together decide what the rules should be uh, the more people that help to secure the network and the more centralized it gets the more easy it will be to uh co-opt the more easy it will be for governments or other Organizations to attack it and try and shut it down. So it's really important that we keep this network as decentralized as possible uh, and don't just trust it to a handful of corporations, which can get uh, into all kinds of legal trouble over it.
0: Is that why? Uh, is that why you, you started? we started to see uh, within the past few years uh, this this term called forks, which ultimately cre- have created new currencies off of uh, the uh, Bitcoin blockchain, like Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Gold. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because when I've been studying, what I like about the decentralization aspect of it is, again, what you touched upon is is the fact that, that it is true democratization, right? Worldwide, we, we're controlling it as individuals, not one central bank, not one government, et cetera, et cetera. That's exciting. But I, isn't there a fear? Uh, that because because so many so much institutional money is now coming into Bitcoin in particular, that that the, uh, that this, the, the, the centralization, uh, you know, part of it could actually could actually happen with Bitcoin. Is, is that possible? And, 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 how, and how do we, uh, you know, prevent it from happening?
1: So a lot of people have been trying to centralize it for a longer time, because uh, if you centralize the system more, if you only put it on a lot more powerful, uh, not necessarily computers, but decent computers with very high internet speeds, then you can really increase the throughput of the system. You can allow a lot more transactions for a lot cheaper prices. Uh, and that benefits the end user in the way that they can cheaply send transactions. But at the same time it puts them uh, at the whim of those uh, fewer and fewer parties that are controlling the system so the reason why you've been seeing forks over the past years is because there are differences of opinion in how the network should scale up because the blockchain and bitcoin are phenomenal inventions but the main problem that they have today is that the system doesn't scale as well as it should for all of the adoption that's been going on for the past few years so it's actually too popular for uh this mainstream adoption that's going on, or not even going on yet, but the adoption is increasing too rapidly. And uh, if we centralize the system more, then yeah, we would be able to get more throughput and more users, but we essentially give up what Bitcoin was invented for in the long run. So uh, some people have differences of opinion of how this system should scale. Some of them think that we should just enlarge the blocks of the blockchain to allow more transactions to fit into them so that we can ultimately cater to everyone on-chain. That is their vision. The downside of that is, of course, that uh, a lot fewer parties will be able to run this blockchain, and that eventually it may end up only being a handful of parties. Then, on the other hand, if we keep the system decentralized, then there is, of course, a risk that uh, not enough transactions will fit into the blocks, that the price will be a lot higher, and for that there needs to be uh, innovations, basically, to ensure that we can use enough Uh, transactions on a network and that's what's being worked on very hard by a lot of people because they believe that ultimately if we want to protect the core values of the network then we will need to uh, keep the system as decentralized as possible to not risk falling into these traps so um The forks you've mentioned, they uh, basically happen because of a difference of opinion. Some people believe that we should scale, as they call it, on the blockchain, on-chain. And fundamentally, there was a disagreement there with the people who wanted to mostly scale off the blockchain in different layers, the way that the internet is built up as well. So because of these differences of opinion, it was very hard to upgrade the actual Bitcoin network. It took quite a lot of time for the most recent upgrade uh, to go through. But it finally did uh, sort of in favor of those off-chain uh, scalability innovations. Uh, there was an innovation called SegWit that came through on the Bitcoin network. And that's basically the first stepping stone which allows a lot of those additional layers to come onto Bitcoin to help us scale globally. Now, because of the difference of opinion, one party, which were the on-chain people, decided to split off and create uh, Bcash. Uh, Then there was another fork indeed, which you mentioned, uh, the gold version, you had Bitcoin Diamond, and the list just keeps going on. And people can do this infinitely. There's nothing that holds you back from creating copy after copy of this network because it's open source, nobody's fully in control of it. The only downside is that you cannot copy the network effect. So Bitcoin is so incredibly popular and there are hundreds of other cryptocurrencies and I could create a some coin, we create, could create a Mike coin tomorrow. Uh, but the main problem there is just that we can't convince the people that this is the real deal, that this is better than anything else that exists. So even if we're technically able to create a copy, we don't necessarily have the network effect surrounding it that makes it so incredibly valuable and secure and useful.
0: One of, you know, Sam, I just wanna take a quick break uh, when we come back uh, I want to actually ask you specifically about uh, the updates, uh, some of the things that are going on within Bitcoin that can uh, essentially keep the, the the decentralization aspect of it in place, as well as improving uh, the utility. In just a meca- uh, just a second, so yeah, we're just going to take a quick break for our sponsors, uh, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Alright, well today's show is brought to you in part by Coinbase, America's largest cryptocurrency trading platform. Folks, if you've been watching the news, if you've been reading the newspaper, if you're following me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, you've probably seen me talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and how it's changing the future. Wealth is being created at an astronomical rate. I worked out a special arrangement with Coinbase where you can earn $10 in free Bitcoin just by texting COINS, that's C-O-I-N-S, to 555. 5-5-8-8-8. Again, it's coins to five 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 eight eight eight, and earn $10 worth of free Bitcoin. Folks, wealth is being created again at an astronomical rate. People are getting rich almost overnight by getting involved with cryptocurrency. Don't be left out. Earn your $10 in free Bitcoin by texting COINS, that's C-O-I-N-S, to 555-888. hey, by the way, when you do it, we'll also get $10 in free Bitcoin. Again, text COINS, that's C-O-I-N-S, to 555-888. All right, so we've been on with Sam Wouters. Uh, He came to me uh, all the way from from Belgium. Uh, I've been literally searching the world to, to first kind of educate myself uh, about this world of Bitcoin, about this world of cryptocurrency, about, blo- about the blockchain. Uh, if, if, you're, if you like what you've heard so far, please share this, rate it, share it with your friends. You can also find out more about Sam at samwouters.com He's also pretty active on Twitter. That's where I found him. It's at S-D-W-O-U-T-E-R-S. Again, that's on Twitter. You can also find him on LinkedIn, uh, as well. And uh, so far, I- I'm fascinated. I'm so glad that he's joined us because he's really helped kind of crystallize for me and help me understand what's going on within the world, specifically of bi- uh, Bitcoin. We're going to talk a lot about uh, blockchain uh, in just a minute. So if you do want more information about Sam, uh, he does consult uh, with companies and he also speaks all over the world, educating people about what's going on. Now, earlier uh, before the break, we talked about uh, Bitcoin and and you know how it's growing and it's evolving and this decentralization aspect of it and you know one of the the, the challenges I think with Bitcoin and, and this is why a lot of other cryptocurrencies I think are being coming up so rapidly is is that the transaction speed you talked about um, and there's also the transaction fees that, that that you know the end users don't like. Um, what's this 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 thing called the Lightning Network that I'm hearing so much about that is supposedly supposed to kind of sit on top of the uh bitcoin blockchain and make it you know faster and and improve the utility can you speak to that or is there something else like it out there that's going to make bitcoin um you know more usable and and the reason why i asked that because you even talk about this on your website about microtransactions well what's your take on all that stuff
1: yeah sure so the original vision was to uh have microtransactions on the blockchain as well probably when i say original vision this is what a lot of people anticipated fast and cheap Uh, payments online Uh, the challenge with that is that if you do micropayments like you the people like to use the example of buying a coffee do people need to store the transaction on their copy of the blockchain forever for every single person that buys a coffee every single day so that system may not entirely make sense Uh, what the lightning network does is it adds a layer on top of bitcoin where people uh, engage in these basically financial relations through payment channels And you can kind of think of it as when you go to a bar and you know, the bartender, you're not just going to uh, pay for every single beer that you or every single drink that you order there. You're probably going to end up paying at the end of the evening and then the transaction can be settled in one go on the blockchain. So the logic behind the lightning network is to allow all of these financial relations to exist between people so that you can directly send small amounts of value across this network, Uh, And it's going to basically find the quickest route for you between one person and another. So there's this saying, and I'm not sure what the numbers are today, but that uh, you're just like so many hops away from other people in the world. Used to be like seven hops. Maybe now with Facebook being this big, it's like three hops or something like that. But this network is basically going to look at if you want to reach uh, some person on the other side of the world, what what, uh, channel will your payments need to route through to get to that person? And then all of these parties in between just need to settle their balances among each other. And then eventually, maybe once per day or once per month, you will do a transaction to the actual blockchain to store your current balance on there uh, to sort of communicate with it how much you have now. And in the meantime, you can just keep doing these transactions over and over and over, even up to uh, millions per second, because that's how fast it can scale that, because not the entire network needs to know every single second how much everyone has. So this will allow a lot more innovations uh, and it's also in a completely trustless way. So we don't actually need to trust each other in any kind of way to have a financial relation. If I'm trying to screw something up, then you can just as easily pull your money out of it without risking any kind of losses.
0: Do you think that that this lightning network that we're talking about, uh, do you think that this is uh, really kind of the, the biggest innovation uh, specifically for Bitcoin and, and do you think that that it could help uh kind of secure bitcoin's status as you know the top you know currency uh, of the world
1: i think once the technology is out there uh, a lot of other cryptocurrencies will probably copy it because that's right. how it's with a lot of these things but of course the innovation needs to be done by someone and uh, from my point of view it's some of the brightest minds are working on this stuff uh, that are focusing very much on bitcoin already So I like to really look at the developers that are working on these things and they're really building phenomenal things. Um, I would say indeed that the Lightning Network is incredibly highly anticipated as an innovation and it's going to be incredibly valuable. Um, Alongside that, it's not going to be the answer to every problem, of course, and it's like a gradual process to roll this out and make sure that it works. Alongside that, I would say another really important innovation will be uh, privacy. Because right now on the blockchain, all of these transactions are stored publicly. And that means that a lot of organizations are tracking which people are making payments uh, where and that has a lot of complications, uh, a lot of issues with it, where you might get uh, some kind of government intervention because like a few uh, trades ago, the money actually came from someone who did something wrong. And they might feel like you are involved in that somehow. So that's what they call fungibility. And that's something that needs to be fixed. Because otherwise, basically, everyone would be linked to every kind of bad transaction, even if they're not really involved in that. Uh, and that would also be the case if the government could see what cash has been spent, where, by which person, and they were able to track that. So that's a really important innovation, which will need to come to the network as well, which a lot of developers are working on. So I'd kind that's of say... That, the- I
0: was going to say, that, that's really interesting, because I th- a lot of people think uh, that, you know... Bitcoin and these other cryptocurrencies some of them a little a little bit more masked than others uh, but a lot of people think that there is uh, complete anonymity within these types of transactions but that's not really the case is it
1: Nope it's not it's uh, pseudonymous so just like I can create uh, an email address which has your name in it nothing prohibits me from doing that so in uh, most cryptocurrency systems you just have an address. And that address is specifically yours, and that can be traced, but it's just a string of letters and numbers. So it doesn't really tell an outside person who exactly this address belongs to, but you can trace what exactly that address does on the network. Now, eventually, if you want to get, go to an exchange to cash out your Bitcoins or other cryptocurrency, then that exchange is probably going to ask you for your uh, ID they want want to ID you because they have the same kind of regulations that uh, other financial institutions do. So if at that point, they ID you and then they uh, might have to trace a few transactions in the blockchain to see where it comes from and they somehow link it to a criminal, then you're probably going to end up in jail. So uh, that's something that will need to be fixed there. Uh, Of course, that also has implications where criminals all of a sudden have financial privacy But they have had this for thousands of years through cash, and they will continue to use cash. So we could punish everyone um, by not adding any kind of privacy to Bitcoin. Um, But I would focus on all of the good that can be done through these kinds of technologies, because criminals will always find ways to circumvent any kind of system that you put into place.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. You're right. You know, whatever what, whatever is created, anytime throughout history, whenever there's any sort of new innovation or some sort of disruption, you're always going to have bad actors, and that's just the way the world has worked since the beginning of time. Um, so earlier when we first started, I, I know that you're an expert in this as well, and you just mentioned, you know, the good, you know, that this can do. Uh, I have become increasingly more and more excited about. The blockchain technology, in particular, as it relates to uh, its utility for for every type of you know business and and, and business sector you can imagine. Uh, Again, if you could just give me kind of a you know as if I'm in second grade and and I need to understand what blockchain is and really why it's so important for the world and really why it's changing the world. If you kind of give us, give us that kind of simplistic definition of it, or, or if you would, I don't know if you have a, an easier way to, to describe it, but if you could, I, I'd really think it'd be useful, uh, for my listeners, uh, to really understand the underlying technology of not just Bitcoin, uh, but all these other cryptocurrencies and really what blockchain is doing
1: for the world. Sure. Yeah. So uh, in the traditional system, if you and I exchange money among each other, then we do so through a bank. And the bank is the party that sits on top of the database that basically ensures that if you send me money, you no longer own it. They update their logbook of who owns how much money. And you can view this through your own phone on an app that says how much money you have in your bank account. Once you send it, you no longer have it. If... In the blockchain, you take out this centralized uh, party that sits on top of the database, but something still needs to record who owns how much money, or all of us could just copy our money over and over. and We would probably party very nicely for a few days, and then the whole world economy would collapse. That doesn't work. So the way you can look at the blockchain is that, uh, like you might look at it as an Excel file, for example, where every single tab holds a certain amount of transactions that happened on the network. And all of these different tabs, and these are blocks in a blockchain, are linked to each other. Meaning that if uh, all of these transactions are recorded in every single tab, anyone who has a copy of the blockchain can trace exactly where certain money comes from. So nobody can just magically make up money out of nowhere, because if other people start looking where this money came from and they don't find a source, then they won't accept your copy of the blockchain. So all of these different copies around the world are constantly synchronizing with each other to ensure that they all hold the exact identical record of transactions throughout time. And these transactions initially represent money because that's the most obvious thing that we uh, exchange ownership of. But in the future, a lot of people are looking at how else this can be used, whether these tokens on a network, which in the case of Bitcoin are the Bitcoins, whether they can also represent something else. Whether you can add a little bit of data to this transaction that maybe represents a document or ownership of a house or something. So a lot of people are looking at these kinds of ways to use a blockchain where you're not just transferring value from one person to another, but transferring ownership of a certain digital asset, for example. Now, in practice, it turns out that uh, well, in theory, it's really easy to create a lot of ideas of how this could be applied and practice, it turns out is not always as easy to do because there are a lot of challenges that come with using uh, a system that is actually inefficient by design. So the reason why the blockchain is inefficient is because all of these people around the world constantly need to synchronize all of this information. While in a centralized database, you just have one party that sits on top of the database that ensures that the entire records are correct. But of course, all of the other participants need to trust that central party. But it is a lot more efficient system, and that's why we use it for pretty much everything in the world today. Facebook is a centralized system. Our banks are centralized systems. We just trust these central parties. Now, if you take that central party away, then a lot of challenges come on board. Like, what if something screws up? What if you accidentally transfer the value to the wrong person? There's no central party that you can go uh, and talk to to reverse that transaction. So there's a lot of uh, implications that come along with these kinds of innovations, which makes them a lot harder than a lot of people uh think that they actually are. As I mentioned, it's a system to remove the central, centralized trusted parties. And what we see today is that a lot of these uh, trusted third parties are actually looking at how they can use this technology themselves to become better instead of actually getting replaced. So that's a very difficult uh, thing there, as you can imagine, they are trying to use a system that was created to replace them uh, to actually strengthen themselves. So a lot of the ideas that float around today about how a blockchain could be used make absolutely no sense. There are some ways in which you can use it uh, in a very valuable way, for example, timestamping. So uh, what that is, is basically uh, doing a transaction on a blockchain and including a little bit of data there that refers to something that is not stored on the blockchain itself. But what you do by that, uh, by storing that digital fingerprint, on the blockchain is that you can later on refer to that fingerprint and say, hey, this fingerprint represents this piece of data or this entire database or this contract or whatever. And I can prove it because if I create a new digital fingerprint of this document, it will match exactly what was stored in the blockchain maybe last week or six months or six years ago. So this is a way to prove that certain information existed at a certain point in time. And that's a very valuable use case of a blockchain which a lot of organizations can use uh today only.
0: yeah for me when i think about what you just said and that, that's kind of how and how i've you know kind of trained my brain to, to understand it. And it's the exact term you use the, the, the date stamping or to be able to you know refer back to it that it actually did happen in a certain moment in time uh, that's a perfect perfect explanation i want to take one more quick break and then um I know you don't have a lot more time, but when we come back, I'd like to uh, have you maybe talk to us a little bit about you know these other cryptocurrencies, what's going on uh, in their world, how how you know the blockchain and different blockchains are, are kind of interacting with with each other. Uh, in just a second, we'll be right back. All right. Well, today's show is brought to you in part by Coinbase, America's largest cryptocurrency trading platform. Folks, if you've been watching the news, if you've been reading the newspaper, if you're following me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, you've probably seen me talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and how it's changing the future. Wealth is being created at an astronomical rate. I've worked out a special arrangement with Coinbase where you can earn ten dollars in free Bitcoin just by texting coins. That's C O I N S to five five. 5-5-8-8-8. Again, it's coins to 555-888 and earn $10 worth of free Bitcoin. Folks, wealth is being created again at an astronomical rate. People are getting rich almost overnight by getting involved with cryptocurrency. Don't be left out. Earn your $10 in free Bitcoin by texting COINS, that's C-O-I-N-S, to 555-888. Hey, by the way, when you do it, we'll also get $10 in free Bitcoin. Again, text COINS, that's C-O-I-N-S, to 555-888. All right. So again, we've been on with Sam Wouters. If you'd like some more information about Sam, he's literally come to me. All the way from Belgium, he's in Belgium right now, we're here in the United States. I've been looking for experts within this world of cryptocurrency, within the world of blockchain, which is really the underlying fundamentals of this entire world. Uh, I found Sam originally on Twitter, so if you want some more information about Sam, you can just go to at S-D-W-O-U-T-E-R-S. You can also find his website, it's samwo dot com. He's a speaker, he's an educator. Uh, he's also a consultant, so if you're, you know, if you're looking to maybe even create your own blockchain, we haven't spent a lot of time about that. But if you really want to understand, you know, what's going on in this world, uh, hit him up, check him out, and uh, he can certainly help you out. Also, again, if you're listening right now uh, and you feel as though that it's, this is adding value, you feel as though that this is, you know, providing you with knowledge, I, I, I'd ask you to go ahead and rate it, share it with your friends, share it with your relatives, share it with your neighbors, because I'm really doing my best to try and get the the information from from real people that are doing real things that, that, that have, that, that really understand this, that I feel as though, and I'm sure Sam would agree with me. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there about, you know, especially within the world of cryptocurrencies, a lot of misinformation about, you know, what is going to happen, what may happen. And we're going to maybe ask him some of his predictions uh, in just a moment. So again, if you want more information about him, uh, you can go to his website and also find him on Twitter. He's also on Facebook and uh, he is also on LinkedIn, so he's everywhere. You can you can just find him. So Sam, um, uh, by the way, this is so awesome. I, I, thank you for spending all this time, and, and it's been really helpful for me. So I'm hoping that it's probably helpful for everybody else. Um, okay, so Bitcoin. We talked about Bitcoin. We talked about the blockchain. Uh, now we're seeing all these other cryptocurrencies that are you know there's every day you're hearing of new initial coin offerings or ICOs and and in, in different cryptocurrencies. Uh, I guess my first question is, is why do we need other cryptocurrencies?
1: Uh, Good question, I'd say. In many cases, we don't. People simply like to create them and they like to do so for a few reasons. Uh, The first and I guess most obvious one is to try to earn a lot of money themselves. Some people feel like they've missed the boat uh, with some of the earlier currencies and uh, they now want to try to figure out a way to earn a lot of money themselves. And sometimes it can be hard to distinguish which projects uh, are kind of designed that way. Uh, And sometimes it's very easy to pick them out if their technological ideas or promises don't really make any sense. Um, But that's one group. Then you also have the group which thinks, hey, this Bitcoin thing was like the first version of using a blockchain and they've done some nice things, but they've also made a lot of mistakes. And I think I can do it better. So let's create a better cryptocurrency than Bitcoin or than uh, any of the other ones. And I mean, that's like, it's good to innovate. No problem with that. And a lot of these uh, alternative currencies can be seen as uh, innovation labs. But the challenge there is that anything that they invent that works really well can also be copied by all of the other blockchains that are out there, by all of the other cryptocurrencies. So what you need is not necessarily the best technological network. You also need to have the network effect. You need to get people to use it. And what we see today with a lot of these cryptocurrencies, and you already mentioned the ICOs, is a lot of speculation. People aren't necessarily interested in the technological capabilities. They're mostly interested in trying to earn a lot of money and trading all of these coins. So uh, it really depends on what kind of approach you have in it. What's interesting to me is that if we look at the Bitcoin price over the past year, for example, it's gone like times 14 in value. And despite that, people still feel like that's not enough and they kind of want to, times 50 or times 200 their money in a year, which is perfectly fine if people want to do that. But it's kind of crazy how for years, people are totally fine with their money sitting in the bank making absolutely nothing. But then the moment they get this risky technology, it all of a sudden needs to multiply uh, by orders of magnitude. So it's a pretty crazy thing that's been going on. Um, And the group I haven't mentioned yet is the group that is actually doing something different than Bitcoin. So not everything is trying to be uh, a currency per se, or a currency the way that Bitcoin is it. You also have Monero, for example, uh, which does have privacy within its transactions, which is what we talked about earlier. And that's a very valuable thing that Bitcoin does not have today. So that is actually a coin that does something useful to people, uh, which isn't provided by other cryptocurrencies just yet. And then you have a lot of other networks which try to focus a lot on smart contracts, which are basically simple programs that can be stored on a blockchain and executed there under certain conditions. So if the weather is so much degrees uh, tomorrow, then do this action. That kind of logic. uh, Actually, in practice, it's pretty hard so far to use good smart contracts, but there's a lot of innovation going on around this to try to see what else we can do with the blockchain other than just basic transfers of value. So there's really different reasons why people create these other currencies. Uh, A lot of people like to speculate on that. Uh, We don't necessarily need them so far. A lot of people are just hoping that we can do way more with this blockchain uh, thing than what we have so far. And they're just trying it out. or just trying to make a lot of money themselves
0: yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, you mentioned too, like the utility and when you hear about, you know, Ripple and, you know, Brad Garlinghouse, I think, did a great, you know, did a great job of kind of trying to tie, you know, the, you know, the rapid rise in price, you know, from, you know, 20 cents, all of a sudden, almost $4 at one point in a very short period of time, you know, when he said, you know, that really what 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 really ties the value to the coin is is the utility, right? But And, and also the use, right? So the more people that continue to use it, uh, the better. So I want to just, re- I guess, bring it back full circle because I know Bitcoin is really kind of your expertise. Uh, uh, I know t- two things. One, I know you said, you know, speculation is is a problem. Not, not a lot of people like to speculate, but you just mentioned Monero. Is there is there, a uh, other than Bitcoin, is there a particular currency that's out there right now that maybe people don't know about? That you see is um is solving a problem that's better that that people should pay attention to is, is there something other than monero or like as like a zcash or something
1: well zcash sort of tries to uh solve the same problem as Monero does so in some ways they're kind of competing right. uh, there's, but there's a lot of controversy around uh the initial setup of zcash and whether there may or may not be hidden waste within the system which we referred to earlier Um, In the case of Bitcoin, some way, if there would be for Satoshi Nakamoto to break into the system. There are people who believe that this is the case with Zcash because there was some kind of trusted setup in the beginning with a small group to make it work. And they documented everything, et cetera. But the truth is that as a person, you're really not entirely sure what exactly they did with those computers. Uh, So it's, it's difficult to really put all of your trust and faith into that system. You mean his,
0: his video and pictures of uh, of them destroying the computers weren't enough?
1: Yeah, they've got a lot of those things, but you don't necessarily know what kind of software was put on every single thing. There's no like actual way for you to prove it later on as a person, other than the way that it was documented. Uh, and there were a lot of was a lot of skepticism about certain attack vectors that they didn't entirely cover. So there is like a minuscule chance that it was messed with somehow, and there is right. no way to. So you can look at the system, you can try and audit the whole thing, but there's no way for you to tell whether a backdoor exists or not. So some people might feel comfortable with that uh, and others may not, because they really do want to make sure that the software is actually the way it is, as described. Um, So are there other currencies that I think people should look at? Uh, I think it's more valuable to uh, sort of help people understand what makes a project interesting, uh, rather than telling them which specific ones to look for. It's right. kind of like the give a man a fish feed for a day uh, kind of thing. I agree, man. So- I,
0: I I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's the, that's, I mean, you know, that's the soundest advice you can give, right? You know, spend a little bit of time. That's what I've been, this is why I'm talking to you and hopefully people are, you know, are listening is, right, spend a little bit of time, try and understand it. If you feel as though mm-hmm. that it has utility, if you like it, if you you know, if you read their white paper, if you look at their who's behind it and you feel as though that it's useful, then you make an educated decision, right?
1: yeah exactly and that's really what, what what gives you a lot of options in the future to make your own decisions so i'd say one thing to really look out for uh is what kind of promises the project is making so people have been saying that they're going to create the bitcoin point the next thing the better thing for years now and they always come with these grand promises of our transactions will truly be free or going to be 50 or a thousand times faster than it is and it's really easy to make those kind of claims, but debunking all of those claims or like really paying apart and asking them the right questions like, how are you actually going to do this? That's <laughs> the stuff that investors don't do today. They just hear these grand promises. They see a fancy white paper, a nice website, an ICO on Ethereum, which probably makes it legit then. Uh, they've got these backers from Silicon Valley or whatever, and then people feel like, oh, it's got to be trusted. Let's just put my money into it. But you should really look at what kind of promises are being made, uh, whether the technology can actually be built. And of course, a lot of things still need to be invented. But uh, it's really good to be critical about everything you read. So the next time you hear some promise about some kind of ICO, you should actually Google the opposite. Like Google, why does this coin not work? See the counter arguments and try to learn from those and understand like what is not being answered in these fancy white papers? What problems are not being tackled? And do I still want to put my money into it? based on pure promises from just a handful of people that may be very experienced, but actually probably don't know a lot of the things that they still need to solve. So that's one side of it. Uh, I'd say another way to identify whether it's a sound project or not is to see whether this ICO or this coin has been pre-mined. What pre-mining is, is basically ensuring that uh, all of the supply is kind of already out there and then the organization that develops the system holds a certain portion for themselves. So if you look at the top 10 cryptocurrencies today, actually half of them are pre-mines. Look at Ripple, 63% is in the hands of the organization that uh, launched this network, which is an incredible amount of all of the value in that network. And of course, they make promises like we won't sell for the next so many years, but they still have immense amounts of control over that system. So if that is the case, a lot of the ICOs that have been launched as well, the development teams might hold like anywhere between 30 and 90% of all of the coins uh, in that network that raises a major red flag for me where I feel like you should probably not just get involved uh, in a system where they ultimately have so much control over the monetary supply and over its future as well, because if they feel like "Mm, we can't actually solve these problems, they're going to be the first to gradually sell off. Um, So I would be wary about those things. Like, is it pre-mined or not?
0: Can, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to I'm sorry, man. Um, I, just, I, I just didn't want to lose this. So when you think about like a ripple, who was a hundred billion of them, and like you said, they they they're sitting on you know sixty three billion of them. Um, what's this whole thing uh, with? Um, I've seen these terms. I think that they can burn uh, the coins. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, in Ripple, uh, they have a different kind of system. And to ensure that uh, transactions like sort of that a network can be spammed with transactions, you need to pay a fee and that fee actually gets burnt. It doesn't get earned by miners because there are no miners in that system. But for every transaction that you send, you need to burn a little bit uh, of ripples uh, to pay for that transaction. So in the long term, a lot more of that will get burned and they can decide exactly how much gets burned in the protocol so it's not like the supply is going to completely run out but over time it does make the supply decrease okay Um, so that's what they mean with burning it's just a different kind of system so there are a lot of different kind of implementations of blockchains a lot of people say ripple isn't even really a cryptocurrency uh there's so many debates around this i don't really like to get wrapped up in them and just look at what exactly it is and how it works uh, rather than like criticizing whether it is an ICO or not or whether it is a cryptocurrency or not um, that feels like a bit secondary to me also to investors uh, It's mostly just important to understand Before you invest and I say this to a lot of people because so many people are investing in cryptocurrencies now without really understanding anything about it And right. It's okay if you're Investing what you can afford to lose. It's like the basic rule don't invest more than you can afford to lose but uh, it's really useful to understand a bit more about what you're investing in. And if cryptocurrency isn't your thing, uh, then maybe you should look at what you're good at, what you're interested in, what you've spent a lot of time on and see if you can maybe start a business there or invest your money in some kind of way into that, instead of just putting it into something you don't actually understand. Because there are, of course, a lot of risks and also potential rewards involved in that.
0: I love it, man. That, that, you know what, that, that's a perfect way to end the show. I, you know. Sam, I want to thank you so much for your time. It, this has really been helpful for me. I'm, I'm sure it's been helpful for our viewers and our listeners. Again, uh, we've been on with Sam Wouters. Um, he is an expert within the world of blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. Uh, it's just Sam. You did such a great job of really explaining this this very, very complicated world uh, and giving some really, really sound advice. So, if you want some more information about Sam, you can. Find him on Twitter. It's at, it's at S-D-W-O-U-T-E-R-S. Uh, you can also just go to his website. It's Sam, dot com. He's on Facebook. He's also on LinkedIn. Um, so maybe, uh, you know, you want to have him come speak at, w- at one of your conferences or maybe you have him come speak to your company. Uh, or if you're looking to maybe even develop some sort of technology or even your own blockchain uh, you can also uh, work with Sam on that because I know he does a lot of consulting work. I know he's a super busy guy. He's come to us all the way from Belgium. We're sitting here in, in, in Massachusetts, and uh, it's just uh, it's really, really uh, awesome um, that you, know, you spent the time with us, Sam. And lastly, again, if you're listening and you got to this point uh, and you feel as though that this has added value to you, uh, you feel as though that it's given you knowledge, I'd ask that you rate it, share it with your friends, uh, you know, reach out to Sam, tell him that he was awesome. Uh, and then you know let you know tell others to come back uh, and listen to it as well because I plan on uh, you know trying to get as, as many experts as I possibly can within this world uh, of cryptocurrency within this world of, of blockchain uh, because the, the stuff that I the, the basic knowledge that I have I see um, that our world is changing at, at a pace uh, that is beyond rapid so Sam thanks so much for being my guest again my name is Michael Alden and we'll see you soon All right. So for all you business owners out there, you know how important capital is, especially working capital. I started my businesses with nothing, and I never had working capital until I found Cabbage. You can borrow up to $150,000 from Cabbage. You can get approved in minutes, and their payment terms are something that the average everyday business can understand. Folks, if you want to borrow money, if you're looking for working capital, text CABBAGE, that's K-A-B-B-A-G-E, to 555-888. Again, text CABBAGE, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, to 555-888. Get approved in minutes. Get the working capital that you need. And oh, hey, by the way, if you end up going with them, they're also going to give you a $50 gift certificate. Again, text CABBAGE, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, to 555-888.